This is something that I'm personally super excited about, this idea of AI empowering geospatial technology. So for example, machine learning is becoming really powerful in predicting events, like predicting sales, predicting road crashes, predicting emergency situations, patterns and clusters that are hard to find. There are some problems that are location-centric by design. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Jessica Weiland, Esri Managing Editor of Content, and I'll be your host for today. You just heard Omar Mahir, Practice Lead of Advanced Analytics at Esri, talk about how businesses and governments are using AI and location intelligence for prediction. Forward-thinking executives are combining these cutting-edge technologies to unlock the value of their data. Here, Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigate the widening impact of AI, location intelligence, and the framework for their success in solving today's business problems. Omar, hi, and thanks for being here with us. Thank you, Mariana. So we've had conversations on this podcast about artificial intelligence and machine learning. I encourage our listeners to listen to some of these. So I wanted to continue the conversation from a perspective of what's new and what's different and what is really current. Would you tell us what is really new in the application of these technologies? What is proving successful? What continues to be a struggle? That's a great question, Mariana. There has been a rise in deep learning, which is a type of AI, as we're going to explain later. And specifically, the recent advancement has made huge progress in three areas, images, text, and voice. So AI is becoming really good recently in computer vision problems, identifying and understanding images, extracting objects. It's becoming really good with voice. So all of the applications of Siri, Alexa, and the likes are applications of that and with text, understanding documents, understanding text, interpreting documents, etc. So I would say it's becoming really good with these kind of data and its applications. To build on that, give us some examples of how imagery AI is used and how you know these document-based text analysis is used, voice we probably all know and use, but give us some ideas and examples. Sure. I would love to start with the, with the example that we, we like see on daily basis, which is the autonomous cars, right? So for these cars, it needs to have a very good capability of understanding what's around, understanding what are pedestrians, streets, objects, etc. And it needs to do this with really high accuracy and in real time. And this is one application of AI today. So most, if not all, of the autonomous driving cars are using deep learning and AI today to get their cars to be able to do that. So identifying any kind of objects in the streets, pedestrians, you name it. So a lot of paralegals actually has been analyzing huge amount of documents, searching for some rules or some laws and stuff like that. Now this is automated big time by AI because some advanced software is able to read these documents, understand it, and extract the meaningful rules and laws that lawyers are looking for. So that's, a, that's an example that I'm seeing these days. And as you mentioned, in the case of voice, we're seeing all of those kind of uh, Alexa, Siri, and, and the likes. Mm -hmm. Some experts claim that AI excels at solving problems where the goals are understood, but the means aren't. Would you explain that? That's a very accurate statement, I would say. So machine learning, which is a field of AI, is very good at detecting patterns from a lot of data sources. Now, when it comes to problems that we know what is, what's our objective. Like for example, let's take a problem. We want to um, predict the best next offer to market for you. 
This is a very classical machine learning problem, right? There is a ton of factors that could play into this. There is your location, the kind of products you have purchased before, uh, your taste, your age, your gender. Uh, maybe if it's online on Amazon or something, your browsing history, your connections. So all of these factors leads to this company understanding what kind of product they should push for you, right? But it's very hard to keep track of all of those factors and manually analyze them and understand the relationship between those factors and what is the best product to push for you. Now, machine learning can play a big role here. By taking a lot of historical data about you, your purchase behavior, your historical uh, pattern, browsing connections, social network, everything, it can predict the best next offer or the best next product based on historical data. So in that case, we know the end, we know the objective, right? We want to come up with this prediction, but not necessarily the means to it. It's very hard to manually do. So that's an example of knowing the objectives, but not really knowing the means. Let's talk about how AI is applied in business and in particular in the space we're in, which is around uh, location intelligence and a related AI technologies. I know you've been working in the transportation industry recently, in the retail industry. How are some of these tools being applied to deliver better business results? So in the case of business, we are working with major retailers right now to help them predict the best areas to open physical stores. This is an area that we have historically helped our customers with using the traditional means. But right now we see a huge amount of data. Like for example, with this retailer, we took, we took some sample historical data from them like online sales, physical store sales, wholesaler locations, competitor location. We added a lot of data from our side, demographics, consumer spending, the amount of people, a lot of data. And then we used machine learning to predict where are those top markets that if they opened a physical store, it's gonna boost their physical store sales and online sales as well. Because guess what? We found that there is a really strong relationship between physical store locations for this customer and online sales. So this is an example that we are doing with retail customers today by taking their historical data and predicting those best markets. In the case of government or specifically transportation, there is a lot of use cases. We are working with some customers on predicting where road crashes are gonna happen and when and uh, we are working on identifying traffic patterns from CCTV cameras by using deep learning and AI to count different kind of vehicles and count uh, pedestrians in different places, like across the whole city, for example, we can understand where are the abnormal traffic patterns just from CCTV cameras and where are the abnormal activities that are happening around. We also help them identify where are the top serious places for those kind of crashes by taking a lot of historical crash data and running our statistical and clustering tools to find those top interesting statistically significant clusters. So helping them take decisions on, okay, where are those top areas that we really need to take some actions to prevent more crashes? So we're doing a lot of work in the area of safety, predicting crashes, understanding the statistically significant areas, the top important areas, understanding the traffic patterns from video feeds, which is something new also in the area of road infrastructure. Because again, deep learning is becoming really good with computer vision. So with a traditional mobile phone camera, you can detect road cracks, for example, easily, and then understand where are cracks across the whole city and take some action. So these are some examples in the transportation industry. Another cool example we are doing right now in the area of logistics, we are taking a lot of data from a logistic company that has a lot of fleet we have the historical data about the origin and destination of those fleets. 
and the time it took each one of them to reach its destination. And you have some data about the products they were carrying as well. So we have trained a deep learning model to predict accurately the arrival times of those vehicles. So we can predict per vehicle, per product, per time of the day, per day of the week, per time of the year, when exactly this vehicle is going to reach its destination. Are there, as you're working with these customers, are there some non-intuitive insights that they discover with, with these technologies that surprise them? Yes, definitely. In the case of transportation, we have found through like, we took like 35,000 crash records from the Department of Transportation, and we applied our clustering techniques to it to find the interesting patterns and the interesting areas. And this has led us to like the top 67 clusters the top 67 areas with statistically significant high amount of accidents. And when we zoomed in at some of those locations, we find, for example, a position on the highway where there is a truck stop and there are three fatal accidents happened in the last year and there's no traffic light there. So one insight here that maybe if we have a traffic light at this area, it would prevent those fatal accidents or maybe decrease the road speed, for example. So that was one insight that we really reached through this kind of clustering and analysis techniques. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what was the relationship between, I know every retailer wants to know, between online traffic and physical store traffic? That was a bit of a surprise for us because we didn't draw the relationship immediately. But when we analyzed the data of their historical sales and their historical online sales and this kind of physical store locations, we found that there is a really strong relationship when you have a physical store at some location, there is more propaganda, more marketing, more awareness of this product this would influence online behavior, right? So I think there might be different causes for this, but we have tried the model and we have tried it with a lot of testing with uh, different contexts and it proved to be accurate with historical data. So yeah, that was really interesting insight. So tell us about the little bit of the actual methodology that needs to be employed here. So does a company need to start with understanding what data they have, what data they need, but then they need to build some models based on some hypotheses? How does that work? I would say the most important thing is to start from the business question. And that's the part where I see many people missing. So we need to understand what are the areas that AI and machine learning are really providing value in. So for example, machine learning is re becoming really powerful in prediction. So predicting kind of events like predicting sales, predicting road crashes, predicting em uh, emergency situations, predict predicting disasters, you name it. It's becoming really powerful in detecting patterns and clusters uh, that are hard to find. Deep learning is becoming very good with computer vision, as we discussed, and text and voice. So from this point, as a business, we need to ask ourselves, what are the problems that we can solve with these technologies? What do I really need to predict? What happens after this prediction? What is going to add to my business, right? What do I need, really need to detect from those images or video feeds? Now, starting from this point, it's going to drive things forward. So I have this problem that if I solved it, it's going to save me this amount of money or it's going to affect my top and bottom lines like that. The second question is, what kind of data do I need to solve this problem? Do I have this data or not? M with many kind of customers, we find that they want to solve these problems, but they don't have the data. Or they have the data, but it's not, it's not clean. So garbage in, garbage out, right? So they really need to have the data in specific formats and structures to be able to do these kind of predictive analytics or do machine learning with it. So this is one area that we are guiding our customers to have these kind of labeled data sets. 
the third part is what kind of techniques do I do I need to, to use? Like, do I need to use supervised learning, which is more of training a model to predict something, or it's more of unsupervised learning that I just need to find the patterns. So deciding upon the techniques and the algorithms, and finally the information products. What kind of information products I need to build so that the different teams can use this to make actionable business decisions. So without this kind of framework, it's not going to work. It's if you just need to do machine learning and AI because you think they're good, it's not going to work. I've seen it. But starting with the business question, formulating the problem, understanding what tools and techniques can help the problem, working on finding the needed data or preparing the data, and then building the model and building the information product is the path forward. So this kind of framework of process, I think, is essential to be in place to be able to leverage the power of AI machine learning. Let's talk about a topic that's near and dear to both of us. Um, considering that our digital realities are grounded in our physical world and that everyone and everything has a physical presence and location, would you explain how location intelligence factors into AI and machine learning? Uh, this is something that I'm personally super excited about. Right. This idea of geospatial artificial intelligence or AI empowering geospatial technology. There are some problems that are location-centric by design. Say, if you want to predict uh, the best area to open up a new store, there is a ton of location factors that affect this, like the demographics of people living there, the traffic count, the crime index happening there, maybe the competitors in proximity to this, maybe the proximity to universities or some other points of interest, like parks, for example, or malls or shopping malls. So all of this are spatial factors by design, right? Maybe weather is a factor at some point that influences your decision of what kind of products you should have in this store or that store at different times of the year. So when you look at a problem like when is the best time in the year to launch this kind of marketing campaign at this location, there are a lot of location factors that I've mentioned. And to solve this problem, you need a way to factor in those location factors. You need a way to measure the proximity to different points of interest. You need a way to take into consideration the demographics of people living there. You need a way to understand the traffic behavior happening there and when there is high amount of traffic or not. So having tools that can deal with these kinds of location data is important. It's important to first understand the spatial patterns because before building those models and training a machine, you need to understand the data first. So if the data is location data, you need to have location tools to understand it and use the different spatial analysis tools. Second, you need to prepare the training data if you want to predict road crashes, for example. There is a ton of location factors like the weather, uh, whether it's foggy, the visibility, the spatial factors like how many lanes in the road, the road sinuosity or the road curvature, the kind of road, the weather at this place, etc. You need to do some spatial analysis to understand the distribution of this data, understand the patterns first. And then to prepare the training data, you need to use this kind of spatial analysis as well. And once you do this, you need to feed this to a model to predict the best area to open stores or the areas that will have high likelihood of crashes. After you do this, you need to take some action. And this action is related to location as well. So maybe you want to send your people to do some investigation on this place. Maybe they need to collect some data on this location. Maybe you need, in the case of crash, for example, to optimize the allocation of highway patrols so that they can reach faster to these areas that has high likelihood of uh, accidents. 
And there are a lot of similar problems, predicting disasters, predicting wildfires, understanding the statistically significant uh, disaster areas, and the list goes on. Is location important in problems that are not natively spatial? Yes, I definitely see this with some problems. Like, for example, if you think about predictive maintenance, which is like a very common use case in the area of manufacturing and oil and gas, it's about predicting failures in machine based on the historical failure rate together with real-time data coming from sensors like vibration, temperature, pressure, uh, ambient temperature, etc. So this problem in general uh, doesn't have anything to do with location, right? So it's mostly like sensor data, historical kind of uh, failure attempts and abnormal readings from those sensors. Now, in some other cases, location is a strong factor, like in the case of rail, in the rail industry, because these equipments and these cars keep moving around, right? So failure in the rail tracks or in some of those moving equipment has something definitely to do with the location of those equipment, because it has a lot to do with the weather, for example, the time in the year, uh, maybe the elevation of this point. So I do see the location affecting our model's accuracy if, you, if we want to predict failures in rail tracks or equipments. What would you say to a business executive or a thought leader in the company that wants to lead this transformation? Where do I start? Three things. Answer the right questions, build the technical capacity, and start pr- prototyping fast and fail faster. So business first. Don't fall in love with the technology. Try to identify what are the patterns of this technology. We've talked about this, like prediction or detecting objects or finding patterns, etc. And define the areas that you want to use this, these technologies to improve your top or bottom lines or optimize operations or solve critical problems for your customers. Once you have those defined, you need to have the needed capacity and skills in place to do this kind of work. Start building data science competencies by getting people and hiring people who have machine learning and deep learning background are good with statistical analysis and data science, plus training their existing people, right? The third thing I would say is launch fast, fail faster. This is a new thing, right? So don't expect it's going to be a waterfall model. Like you have an idea about what you want to predict. You're going to build something and it's going to work. It doesn't go like this. It's a very iterative process. So we come up with a concept, you get some data, you build a model, it works or doesn't. You keep iterating until you figure out the needed amount of data, optimizing the model, building the information products, testing it quickly with the stakeholders, see if this is what they really are looking for, and keep optimizing, keep iterating. What would you say, I know it varies, but what would you say is a reasonable expectation for a business or an organization to realize some value from this journey? It depends on different things. First, the kind of data that you have. So. Do you have the data or not? Because sometimes you don't have the data, you need to work on creating the data or capturing the data or storing the data. But I can say if you have a good amount of data, generally speaking, it's usually in the area of like six to 18 months. That's what I've been seeing in the market. Given that you have passion for it, you have you really want to solve this problem, that's generally the period. So in closing, I'd like to ask you, what excites you the most about this area? What are you most passionate about? Honestly, I'm very excited about it from a philosophical perspective. I think understanding intelligence uh, will help us a lot with answering a lot of big questions. I think it helps us understand a lot about our species. I mean, for example, I make a lot of connections between what I'm studying in deep learning and my three-year-old son. In my son, I see a lot of 
reinforcement learning, unsupervised <laughs> learning, self-supervised learning. <laughs> and I think the more we understand about intelligence and how to build it and how to crack it, the more we're going to understand a lot about ourselves and the more we're going to be able to solve complex problems that the traditional means will not be able to solve. Honestly, I consider myself super fortunate to live in this age. I mean, if I was trying to do this like literally eight years ago, now we have the needed data, we have the needed compute, we have amazing amount of research happening, we have the internet. So this is accelerating so fast. So I think finally this is starting to converge. So I think a challenge is to keep up with this and be smart about how to use it. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Mariana. Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Omar Mahir for giving real-world examples of how organizations combine AI and location technology to drive growth, transformation, and the discovery of otherwise hidden patterns and trends. To learn more, you can download our free eBooks, Putting AI and Location Intelligence to Work at esri.com forward slash AI, Making Sense of Digital Transformation at esri.com forward slash wear, and making the most of the Internet of Things at ezri.com forward slash IoT.